Hey everyone, my name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of MixerD.com and uh, I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. And I'll be honest with you, I felt guilt about an interview that I did years ago with today's guest. This was back in, let me see here, 2012, 2013. I interviewed Sam Ovens about how he built up this consulting business and was teaching people how to do consulting. And I thought, maybe I got taken for a ride. I probably did get taken for a ride. He's probably just like making up his numbers. It was too good to be true. And he's maybe just trying to do this to get people to sign up. And I felt like like guilt. I said, maybe I shouldn't even be doing these kinds of interviews. I... I Anyway, for years, I for months, I felt that, maybe a couple of years, and then I started hearing people who were in his program talk about how big the program is. Then I started hearing more and more people say that they were in the program, and I realized, actually, maybe I underestimated the guy. Maybe I've been like beating myself up for no good reason. Maybe Sam's program actually not only just works, but it's it's been generating real revenue, and the numbers I had weren't wrong. They're actually bigger now. And the more research I did into it, the more I realized that was true. And then I went like hat in hand and I said, hey, Sam, can I interview you again on Mixergy? And he had a positive experience. He emailed back. He said, yes. And that's what we're talking about here today. Sam Ovens is the founder of, and da -da 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 -da, here's a new domain name. It's consulting.com is a new domain name. What a freaking good domain name. It offers online training programs to help everyday people start their own consulting businesses. And we're going to talk about how he got here from where he was years ago. And the whole thing is sponsored by two companies that I'll tell you more about later. The first will help you hire a great developer. It's called Top Tal. The second will help you close more sales. It's called Pipe Drive. And I'll tell you more about them later. Hey, Sam, how did it feel to hear me talk? Did you notice, by the way, that I was feeling like maybe you were like snowing me and telling me more than was there? Yeah, I mean... I, I'm not surprised at all that I've had that experience. I think every entrepreneur kind of has that experience for when they're starting a lot. Like, and most of it is to do with the fact that I was feeling like that a little bit as well. Like, you know, I kind of always used to feel like a little bit of a, a fraud because you're pushing yourself so much. You're not really comfortable in your own skin. You know, you're, you're, you are doing some things well, but you're also reminding yourself like where you're like, you know, of who you are, you've built such a strong self image and these mm -hmm. two are constantly in conflict and you know, you, you feel like that. And when you feel like that, other people can smell it on you. And so I'm not surprised at all. Oh, I didn't realize you were feeling, I didn't realize you were feeling that if anything, it seemed like you were very confident. You were at the time when we talked about doing that interview on a boat, fishing somewhere, it felt like you had no care in the world. And that's why I thought, how is he running his business like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty introverted and shy. So, I mean, it's uh, it, it's just hidden like, quite well. But I, I, I do feel like that a lot of the time. So I talked to someone who's fairly close to you about where your revenues were today. He gave me the number, but he gave it to me in, in private. So... I won't reveal it. Do you feel comfortable saying where your revenues were in 2016? Sure. So it was 18.25 million. 18.25 million dollars selling what? Selling online training programs or only really it was mostly one online training program mm -hmm. uh helping everyday people start and grow their own consulting business. And at the time that you and I met, you were like the big success story at the foundation. The company that you had was called what? Snap Inspect. And you had this idea, you did this interview where you talked about how you found a problem that uh, in home inspectors had, you created software for. And I remember when you and I met in Vegas, people were telling me, Andrew, you've got to hear how he had the money to even invest in the foundation to learn how to do that and how he was able to do it. And they were telling me about this consulting thing that you did and mailings that you'd send out. Do you remember what that was? This is before Snap Inspect. How did you get customers and what were you selling then? Sure. So uh, the foundation and Dane taught me a huge lesson, which was you don't come up with cool ideas. You go out and you look for problems instead. And then the solution to that problem is your idea. And that was a breakthrough moment for me uh, and 
so I did that. I went out to the property management market. I found a problem they had. And then I, I knew that if I could create the solution, I'd have a viable business. But I ran into a massive obstacle, which was how do I get the money to build this thing? You know, software is pretty expensive to build. And that was the massive obstacle. And I figured, well, you know, Dane's figured out how to do this thing in the software market, but uh, who's to say this wouldn't work in a different market, this finding problems thing. So I went out to other businesses and I looked for problems again, and I found that a massive problem they had was getting customers. And I figured, well, you know, I could provide a service because that doesn't cost as much money as developing software, and I could help solve that problem with a service and get some money that way and then use that money to develop my uh, software product. And so I took basically the same pattern of thinking and application and just applied it slightly differently. And that's with service businesses, they have... They don't have a trough in the cash flow model, but with product businesses, they have a very big trough. And by trough, I mean, you know, capital expenditure and outlay before revenues start coming in. So I just paired a service business model with a, uh, a product business model to remove that trough. I see. So there is no investing in software for months before you see it actually developed and out there in the world. There's making money as soon as you get your first customer because they pay you for your consulting. Exactly. And, and at the time you were doing, um, was it web critiques? I, from what I remember, you would send out this lumpy mail, lumpy mail meaning mail that had bulk in it so that it stood out in a packet, in a collection of letters and envelopes that people got. There was a lump in it. People wanted to open up to see what was inside it. They would open it up. They would then say, oh, this guy sent me, I don't know what, maybe a garbage can and a tiny one in a, in a, in a packet. Let me call, let me see what it is. And oh, the, our, the letter, I think, might say something like, your your website's garbage. I think I could fix it. Am I, uh, you describe it, actually, because I think I'm exaggerating. Yeah, the, it's close. I mean, it. we that trash can, it was still, to this day, it's still pretty effective. I, I hear people still sending them. Uh, we basically just sent a mini trash can, and we said, uh, spending money on this Yellow Pages ad, because what we'd do is we'd grab a copy of the Yellow Pages. Back then, it was... Uh, it was three, four years ago. It was more popular than it is today. Yep. But we'd go through the yellow pages and look for companies that were buying half or full page ads because we knew those things cost a lot of money. And we'd tear out their ad from the yellow pages and screw it up and put it in a trash can and then put it in an envelope with a like a bubble wrap bag with a two-page letter. And the headline of the letter said, uh, like, Andrew... Uh, spending yeah. money on Yellow Pages ads in today's market is like throwing money in the bin. So we were basically like kicking their bruised knee saying, you're spending your money on the wrong stuff. And then our letter would position digital marketing as a more effective way to be spending their money. I see. And then you'd, you'd send them a video showing them how you could help them do that, right? And it was all customized. Yeah, it's had lots of iterations. Uh-huh. Uh, Back in the beginning, we'd also send a video critique of us uh, where we'd just do a screen record of their of our computer on their website and we'd say, yeah, you're making this mistake, you're making this one, you're making this one. Um, and it was it's just really powerful to point out actual mistakes instead of going to someone and saying, I'm so good, I can help you. Everyone's first reaction is, well, prove it, right? So it's it's so much more powerful to go in and identify problems. Okay. And so that's what you were selling at first, the program that taught people how to take that model and use it to build their own consulting company. Yeah, well, I actually, I started doing it myself, had no idea that anyone else would make it work because that's what everyone always thinks about their own stuff. Mm -hmm. And then this guy, Stanley, uh, he was also in the foundation and he kept bugging me to teach him how to do it. And then, uh, he offered to pay me $1,000 to teach him how to do it. And so I said yes. And then I just taught him on Skype and we recorded the calls. And then he started doing it, started sending out these lumpy mail packages. I honestly had no idea if it was going to work or not. And then he ended up getting a $10,000 client. 
And I hadn't got a $10,000 client by that point. So I was like, what is going on? Like, how did he just get a client bigger than the ones I've been able to get? Mm-hmm. And that's when I, it really shook me. I was like, well, this, maybe this thing's better than I thought. And so then I didn't even create a training. I literally just gave other people access to a drop, the same Dropbox folder, which had Stanley's <laughs> Skype calls in it. And that was like the first version of it. And uh, I think I sold like 12 people into that thing. And what were you charging for that? Just $1,000. Okay, wow. Just 1000 bucks. But what they were getting was just a, a Skype conversation between you and Stanley. They also got a lot of my time. Like, you know, they were able to call me, email me. Like, uh, I patched the holes in the, in the, if you can even call it a product. I don't even know if you can call it a product. But I patched the holes in it with my own time. Okay. Uh, and so, and I put a lot of my own time in it and that worked out pretty well. I mean, people started to get results and then, uh, I mean, it's evolved so much since then. It's just been iterations and improvements. Uh, but you know, I, I turned it into a more polished product and I launched that and it, it got quite a lot of customers and I mean, fast forward to this current day, I mean, I think we've had 10, Ten and a half thousand customers of for the different iteration. If you add up all the different iterations, mm-hmm. all the different customers, about ten and a half thousand. Stanley's a pretty quiet guy too. I mean, he he works hard. He doesn't leave his computer. It seems to me, but he's not like he's not as social as I am. For example, I would even say he's more reserved than you. So it's impressive that he sold it. Did he actually get to collect the full ten thousand from that deal? Yeah, he did. Okay, so then you had you had that first program. The more polished version, I remember hearing people say, had like an online message board on your site, and people would get to talk to each other and talk about what worked for them and egg each other on to keep uh, to keep promoting it. Then the next version of it looked like what? Well, it's just patching holes in it, really. Like you know, people would people would send these trash cans out, and then. They'd eventually they'd get a, a strike where someone would say, okay, well, when can we talk? And then the person would freak out. They're like, what do I say? And I had an, I was just like, I don't know, just, just talk to him and find out what, you know, what his problems are and then try and tell him how you'll solve that and then, you know, make him an offer. But giving people who are beginners that much or being that vague, it has huge problems because, you know, people really need something to follow for everything because they're in total uncharted water. And so I started creating scripts for doing everything. Like this is the structure of how you would we tell do... them specifically what to say, like the Wolf of Wall Street, that segment in the movie where he gives his uh, stock salespeople line for line uh, scripts for what they should say. Yeah, I've even got it down to where to pause, like where to raise your voice up at the end of like a sentence. So it kind of looks sounds like a question but it isn't really and like you know lots of different things like that it's it's been polished and i because i've been actively doing it myself i mean i was getting better at the same time as the students were getting better and it it's just evolved from there do you know what i'm looking for the name of the person but i talked to someone yet last week and i said can you send me this script that you're so excited about that sam that sam gave you you know what he said? This is a guy who I spent a freaking hour helping. He's someone in my audience. I helped him out. I followed up with him. I asked him for the script. I said, let me just see what you're excited about. Do you know what he said? What? He said, no. He said, I can't. I, he actually said, he didn't outright say no. I think he was too embarrassed to say no. He said, I'm looking for his name, but I should just let it go. He said, uh, let me check with Sam. And then he never got back to me about it. And then I checked with uh, someone who I work with. And I said, can I see the script? And he said, I don't think I can. <laughs> it's a secret. Well, I think a lot of people feel like they don't want other people to know about it because they, you know what it's like when you're getting started. You feel like when you learn something that works for you, you don't want anyone else to see it. I see. And I think there's a little bit of that going on because, uh, I mean, I tell people not to share it, but I mean, that is obviously their own decision. But I wouldn't have told them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't have told you that they shared it with me. It would have been a pro- it would have been secret. Walk mm. me through the, the 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 script or the thinking behind the script. What's in there? 
So with pretty much everything I try and do, I try and uh, go completely different than what the normal way of doing things is because I've learned What's the normal way of doing a a consulting call? It's quite like high energy. The person who's selling is talking a lot. They're just like, they're not just talking, 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 talking. And uh, the close is very much them pushing it and... It's kind of like, it kind of feels like, you know, the, the classic sort of uh, high-pressure tally salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I created this script, I wanted to kind of be, it's like an introvert sort of script because that's what I was like. I ask a lot of carefully engineered questions to kind of lead the person down the path where they literally are in a corner themselves. They've put themselves in the corner and they're thinking to themselves, I, uh, well, to really explain it the best way possible, I, I like people understand things as one thing. They just see everything as a whole. They're like, this is me, this is my situation. Yeah. What I like to do is create like duality and play the sides off each other. So, at first I have to create some sort of separation out of the one hole. So I have to pull out their current situation, which is where they are right now, and get a very accurate understanding of that. And then I have to ask them about their desired situation, which is where they want to be in the future. Because this is really what makes the whole global economy tick, is people are just out there buying a better version of themselves each day. Okay. And so I want to find out where they are now and then where they want to be. And I know that all causes of their pain and the reason why they would have got on that call is to try and bridge that gap. Okay. And so once I understand that gap in between those two things, the current self and the desired future self, I mean, my question is, I, I first of all in the script, I separate those two, I get clear definition of it, and then I ask them what's stopping them from bridging that gap on their okay. own right now. And they they tell me like they the words come out naturally like it's because it's engineered so well they say i don't have like a proven path to follow I, I don't i don't have a plan i don't have a map or i don't i don't know the steps to, to take okay and then we ask them well have you attempted to do this before and they will have attempted it and it didn't work out so now we've kind of covered the bases which is you can't do this on your own You've tried to do it on your own. It didn't work. So instead of me saying those words to them, I ask questions which make them say that to themselves because it's okay. so much more powerful that way. If I come on and I'm like, I'm so good. I've got this amazing thing for you. It's going to do all of these things for you. The person's first reaction is, I doubt it, you know? Right. And so then we basically lead them into a corner, which is we ask those questions and then we just – Say, okay, well, like, what do you want to do about it? I mean, I can help you with this. Is, is this something that you want to do? I and see. It's, and then it's, we're just silent. I use a lot of silence in it because it's just letting the person just sit with that and they're, just, they're confronted in their own mind. They're like, I, I'm an idiot if I say no because this is exactly what I want. This guy can help me and... If you if you get what I'm saying, it's I do, yeah, yeah. And still, there could be anything in that in that path from where they are now to where they want to be. It could be hiring more people. It could be buying more ads. It could be refreshing a website. It could be adding an app. But you're telling people to be very focused on what they do, how they fill the gap, how they help their client go from where they are now to where they're going to be in the future. That took you a little while to get to, as I understand it. Let's get into that in a moment. First, I've got to tell people about my first of two sponsors. The company is called Pipedrive. I've used Pipedrive for years. I guess they heard me talk about it so much, and they said, you know what? Let's throw Andrew some money because what do we have to lose? He's already sent us a lot of clients. And the ads have been going so well, so they keep coming back. And the reason that I love Pipedrive is because Pipedrive helps people have an organized sales process. In fact, I'm about to teach people how to do bots, how to create messenger bots. And I have a bunch of people who expressed interest in it. Usually what I would do is I would try to like go into automation software for it. And I realized that's not a personal touch that I want at this stage. Or the next thing I would do is I'd say, you know what, I could keep track of it. It's just 30 people who expressed deep interest. I can just go through my inbox and respond to them when I need to. 
that's just a, a surefire way to lose touch with people and to be disorganized. Spreadsheet is the next thing I thought because, you know, I want to talk to them and I want to be aware of how often I talk to them, where they are in the decision-making process. Spreadsheets are easy to start, but they also get messy and I can't store people's phone numbers and email addresses and be aware of how many times I call them. So what I did instead was I just created a whole new Pipedrive account. And everyone who expressed interest goes into what is the leftmost column. I've got five columns. One is for people who expressed interest, leftmost column. And the final column on the far right is people who bought. And every column in between is the steps that I take, making phone calls, sending them emails, understanding where they are um, in their decision-making process, why they want to do this. And so now I have a pipe drive account, which has a collection of columns. Each step of my process is organized. I have people in the leftmost column. And every day I work to move them one column over to the right. What do you think of that, Sam, by the way, as a guy who calls on the phone? Am I, am I, am I being pushy with that process? No, I think if you don't have a process, then it's all just going to explode with a certain amount of, a certain volume of, of conversations. It's, it's mandatory, really. Right. Okay, good. I, I was looking at you and I said, I thought maybe Sam's thinking I'm not asking enough questions or I'm trying to push people towards a close, but it's not exactly push towards a close because if I find at any point that they're not right for this, I drag their card from whatever column they happen to be in to the lost bucket. Anyway, it's very visual. That's the whole idea behind PipeDrive. It helps you organize your sales process in a very visual way. And the problem with a podcast like this is that I can't show it to you very easily. So I work with Pipedrive. They're longtime fans of Mixergy. They've got a free account for everyone who's listening to me right now. So you can actually experience this for yourself. If you're selling one-on-one via phone, via email, if you're doing it as a team or as an individual, you owe it to yourself to go check out Pipedrive and really experience this visual interaction. And you'll see how it helps me at Mixergy close more sales, get more guests to do interviews on, on, on uh, my podcast, and really organize my whole team. So all you have to do to get this free time with Pipedrive, two months free, is go to pipedrive.com slash Mixergy, pipedrive.com slash Mixergy. And we use it to book guests like Sam. Sam's been in Pipedrive. Now you're in our final column, which is record the interview. After, after this, I move you to one, which is we won it. We did it. What a privilege. The privilege. <laughs> so in the past, I saw that people would build websites for their clients. They did a whole bunch of stuff. It seems like you found that that doesn't work and you started to focus them. Am I right? Yeah, well, in the beginning, we we were nowhere near as evolved as we are now. We we didn't really know how to diagnose a, a true business issue. We would just find companies that had a really bad-looking website and we'd say, look, we can help you get a better-looking website. That was how we knew how to create value. And because... Truthfully, that's all we really knew how to do. But over time, I learned how to really dissect a company and figure out what its real problem is. Mm -hmm. And it's never really a website. Uh, I mean, websites are great, but it's it's not going to make or break your company. It, you've, I mean, if you look at my website, it's it's so bad. It it's kind of funny. Um, but my my revenues. Are, are completely different. You know, most people would look at them and they wouldn't even understand how that's possible. So it's not, it's not a mandatory thing, but I've found that the big, the biggest problem is people just kind of, they've lost touch with their core, uh, reason why they started the business in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like that's the massive thing, which everyone forgets. And it, the story is always pretty much the same. Someone sees a big problem in a marketplace or they see a wrong which they want to write, and they feel like it's their duty to go in and, and do this thing. Mm -hmm. And it's very specific, and it, it's very powerful in the beginning, but over time, they add on this service and this product, and then they start doing this thing and that, and they've kind of gotten broad, and the company's gotten flabby, and they've forgotten who they are, and their profits have pretty much eroded, and... That's the real problem, but what they're saying to themselves is, I just need more customers, or I need a new website, or I need to do Facebook ads, or I need more staff. I mean, people say one thing, but they're just symptoms of a deeper underlying problem, really. And how do you get at the deeper underlying problem, then? It's, it's, it's just a series of questions, really. I mean, the first one would be like, well, 
who is you know, your target customer and what problem are you solving for them? And most people can't even describe who their target customer is. If they say, well, it's everyone, that's the first sign that it's, you know, it's, uh, it's lost its focus. And if they can't specifically describe the problem or the use case which they're solving, then, you know, that, that's you mean the a sign. client? Yes. The, the, so if your client doesn't know who their, who their customer is or what their customer's problem is, how can you help them get that? Because we can get them to ask the right questions. Like, oh, get your client or potential client to ask their customers the right questions to understand. Is that right? Yeah, well, it, it, the, it never changes what I'm doing. If I, my course consults people on how to start their own consulting business yeah. the same way in which those people are going to consult their clients on how to improve their business. I mean, there's no... the, the, tech, the these are such fundamental like laws of nature in business that they're not right or wrong at any level. Like people are going to just keep applying them down. Uh, and having a focus and a clearly identified customer and solving a problem, it's going to work at any level. You know what I mean? But if, if, um, if I, Sam, at Mixergy, don't know who my ideal client is, how can you help me get to that understanding? Or how could one of your consultants help me get to that understanding? Well, we'd start by seeing who your power users are, really. So the people who, I mean, if I was to take your data set of people who have signed up to your premium program, yeah. so those are pretty much the only people we're going to look at because the rest of it's noise. Um, and we're going to look for a power law, which is basically a an off-balance equation where, say, 2% of the people on that list are driving, you know, 80% of, of the revenue and what characteristics those people have in common, what use case those people have in common. And focus everything on that. I see, I see. So I, I would take all my potential, all my premium customers. I wouldn't even have to ask them or survey them. i just probably put them in a, in a Gmail email and mouse over them. And because I use Reportive as a plugin, I could see what they do and I get a sense of who they are. They're also in our Facebook group. So I click over to their Facebook profile and get a sense of who they are. And if I start to see that the people who've been with me the longest have something in common, that is who my target customer is. Yeah. I see. And if you were, if your consultants, someone trained by you were to work with me, they would help me do that. And then they would say, Andrew, now your next challenge you told me is to get more of those people what have you tried? And I'll tell them, well, I tried Facebook ads that didn't work. I tried, I tried more content that didn't work and go through the list of stuff. I said, well, it didn't work for you. Do you want help getting there? And I'd say, yes, I see. That's the process. Well, it depends what someone becomes a consultant in. In the beginning, I told people, we're going out and we're going to sell websites. And then it was digital marketing and we were digital marketing consultants. But over time, I've been able to step back further and further and add, and now, you know, consulting.com and my new programs, they show people how to start a consulting business in any niche. So we're, now we have yoga instructors, uh, spiritual people. We have, um, I've seen so many different types of niches. But they're and, not helping them build websites. They're not helping them uh, get more marketing. They're helping them with anything. They just need to pick something, but it could be any of those things. Yeah, well, and it, we start off by helping them pick a niche. And their niche might be yoga instructing. It might be uh, it might be horse dentistry or something. Let's say, right? let's say it's yoga instructors. If someone cool. says, you know what, I want to be a consultant. I want to work with yoga instructors because I love yoga. What would they do for those yoga instructors? Well, we need to find the problem. I see. That's so, when you'd have them call up their potential customers, the people who are yoga instructors, understand their problem, find a commonality, and then as a consultant, their job would be to solve that common problem. Is that right? Well, it's going to be the same. As people are going to have their current situation, which is who they are right now and how they feel and everything. Then they're going to have their desired self. And they've convinced themselves that yoga is the vehicle to bring themselves to that destination and that's how all of business works it's they've just people have just convinced themselves that this is the vehicle to bridge to that thing there 
But we want to understand that clearer than anyone else in the market because a lot of people think that people are buying yoga because they want yoga. No one buys yoga because they want yoga. No one buys Mixergy because they want Mixergy. They buy it to to achieve something and to to get a to get a desired version of themselves, which they've got in their mind. And so that's how I help my consultants differentiate themselves from everyone else. We just solve the problem better than anybody else. How many phone calls does it take to yoga instructors, for example, before you understand what the solution is that you're going to be selling as a consultant? That's so... I couldn't give a number there. Are we talking about three or 30 or it could be anywhere in between? If someone has been doing yoga for a while and as soon as they understand my way of thinking, it could click without any calls because it's been right in front of their face for years. They've just ne- No one's ever told them to think like this. And so it could just come immediately. But if someone is brand new and they've never done anything to do with yoga and this is just something which they want to do, I mean, you know, it could be it could be a hundred or more. You have people who've done this, they, who've made hundreds of phone calls. Yeah, and they don't give up. They just will keep making those phone calls. Well, of course, some people give up. I mean, I what do you would what say, do you do to keep them making those phone calls? Frankly, making ten phone calls is is tough for people. Well, I don't make them do anything. I mean, it's it's really simple. What I say is, it's uh. You know, you have to work out what which is more painful, failure or making like failure and not getting what you want or making some phone calls. I Mind, mean, mindset. People who work with you said, ask them about mindset, right? You've worked on mindset. You've taught, you've done YouTube videos on mindset for your people, right? Yeah, I've spent a lot of my time, too much of my time trying to figure out that that hidden thing, which is always blocking everyone because you can show someone some tactics. You can show them a a path to follow and they don't do it. Right. You've seen that a million times. Uh, And it happened to me too. I, for most of my business life, I knew exactly what I needed to do, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't do it. And that bugged me a lot. It was like, what is this hidden invisible thing, which is just pulling on my heels all the time. Give me an example. What's one thing that you knew you should have done, but you didn't do? You seem like a go-getter. You seem like someone who's working hard. Well, back when I was in the foundation, I think it took me three months before I started making calls to the property management. Yeah. I couldn't even get out of bed. Literally couldn't get out of bed because you were depressed? Well, because it's so much cozier, like just staying asleep, right? Mm -hmm. Like I forget about this now because I've, been able to build my my character and hunger a lot since then. But if I think back to those times, yeah, I would. Uh, the biggest problem I had was being was getting out of bed in the morning. And so, if you find someone who can't get out of bed in the morning, what can you say to them that gets them to make a dozen phone calls or a hundred phone calls? Well, you have to really just you have to like rewire your whole brain, really, because what I found is. It's just this conflict of, of self. Uh, so like your whole life, people grow up and they try and define who am I? That's the question that everyone's kind of got all the time. They're like, who am I? They try something. They're like, oh, that's not me. This is me. These people are like me. I associate with this thing. I am this person. And, and this, this sense of self and the sense of character gets very strong and defined over time. And then... As humans, it's just natural for us to, to desire something more than who we are. Mm-hmm. And so then you start thinking of this person who you want to be. And that's when all the conflict comes because now you've got who you are and now you've got who you want to be. And whenever you try and be this other person, those two selves are just at war. And this is why you picked up and thought maybe I had kind of uh, – being like fraudulent or something when I first spoke to you is because that's how I felt. I was always torn all the time. I was like, I'm, I'm saying I'm this person, but I just know I'm this like Uh kid from New Zealand. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm young and no one's probably going to believe me. Like there's these thoughts going through my mind all the time. So that's just what naturally I evoke from other people. And this is the massive battle, which everyone's has every single day in business. And you, the problem I've noticed is that people try and define who am I, and that's a hopeless thing to define because 
once you define that, you're, it can be massively inaccurate. Because at the time, if you're feeling really down, and who am I is not very, it's not a very good situation. And now your actions each day are going to align with making that self-fulfilled. Right. Right. So what you what people the people people have been asking the wrong question their whole life, and it's not who am I, but it's who am I becoming. That's the real question, because like life isn't static. You're not someone, and then that's it. If if it was, that's hopeless. If you started in a poor situation, there that means you're forever doomed. So. It's who am I becoming? And that's the question you've got to start asking yourself. And I get people to take time to carefully design and articulate who that person is one year out, two years out, down to how they dress, how a friend would talk about them if they were, if they were like uh, gossiping about them. In you a want cafe them to say something. that to you. What format does that take, the way that they tell it to you? Well, they don't tell it to me. I give them the course and the course tells them to complete these exercises. And what do they do? do uh, this is like getting too tactical, but we're talking about like a PDF. They're supposed to do this on their own. Yeah. Okay. So they, it's, it's quite a fun thing to do because this it's is like, very Buddhist. I, I'm it's the reason I say it's Buddhist is I don't know if you know the book, uh, becoming Steve jobs. It's a Steve jobs biography that the Apple people, the, the, uh, the executives at Apple recommend. They seem to be behind it. And the whole premise of that book is that if you try to understand who Steve jobs is, you you miss it. And that's the problem with the Steve Jobs biography, the one by Walter Isaacson. It just kept trying to understand who he was at any given moment. But Steve Jobs, according to Becoming Steve Jobs, was someone who was becoming. Who was he becoming? He was in this evolutionary state. And unless you understand that he was constantly in that becoming state, you fail to get who he is. And instead, you pick up on how uh, as Walter Isaacson did, he'll order a bunch of different orange juice glasses and then toss them back or he'll park in the wrong parking spot. You you pick up on the details of that understanding the journey that they that those yeah, well, details was, are small part of. Yeah, well there's no like you've have you ever heard of like a uh, the Hegelian dialectic? No. It's like a oh, it's fascinating stuff. But it's it's basically where you have uh uh a thesis and then an antithesis and then the two collide and there's synthesis. And it's basically how it's the law of nature. It's how everything in the world works. And it's like, if you have being and nothing, you can't describe being without nothing and you can't describe nothing without being. So they cancel each other out and it becomes becoming. So people, this is what we do in the sales script. This is what we do in everything. I play on this duality constantly. Uh, there is no, there is no like, who am I? And there is who, no, who am I not? It's just constantly, who am I becoming? And people, people get things wrong all the time because they just define it as one static thing. And then they have no idea that now once they've done that, every action they take is going to self-fulfill what they define that as. You talk about but, this in this program? I'm, I'm on one yeah. of your websites in that accelerator program. You talk about this? Yeah. You get, where, where did you even get this stuff? This is, I, I feel like this is a part of you I've never known before. Well, it, it would, it I was always there. So much different stuff. It was nowhere near this good. Like it, it's taken five or six years of me reading on mindset, trying to hack my own brain and trying to do it with 10,000 other people to get it this clear. Right. But in the beginning it was a, it was nowhere near as, as clear as or as uh, articulate as, as how I'm saying it now. But I've always been trying to figure out that extra piece. And that's probably been the X factor that has made my course go so well. It's because it's not just tactics and strategies. It's how to hack your own, your own brain so that you can, you can make progress. Because once you identify who you want to be, now your daily choice of actions are going to be in line with that instead of in line with who you currently are. And you do feel pretty awkward when you do those things, but that is 100% mandatory in order to change. What's a book like, that you read about this that you recommend? Um, well, the ones where I've got all the good stuff from are, are very out there, like, like strange books. Um, I like, like that. Uh, what's one which would have helped me a lot? 
Do you want to spend some time thinking about it? And I'll, I'll talk about TopTal and then we'll come back. Hegel and the Science of Logic. What is it called? This is, no one should buy this book because it's so heavy duty, right? But I mean, understanding the science of logic was really important for me. Like logic is, is our like computer, which we have in our brain. And I wanted to know who invented this thing. Like, and it was a guy called Hegel. Um, George Hegel, the science of logic. Yeah. So I understood how logic came about from, from the beginning of time for humans. An 844 page book on logic. And you really have read this thing. It's not like it's, um, I've read like probably 16 of Hegel's books, not just that one. Um, cause this is the kind of book that uh, from what I could see here, you just talk about it and you sound smart, but <laughs> this is the thing you've read it. This is one of the but things on that you buy. Own, it's not going to do anything. Right. Because it's, it's, it's just going to go really intense on just the science of logic. But the science of logic is nothing without all of this other stuff. This is where people go wrong. They're always looking for that one secret thing. And truthfully, there, there isn't that one secret thing. You, you've, got to, you've got to learn quite a lot of different things uh, in order to, to create a successful business or really change who you are and your situation and all of that. But you asked where I got this, uh, the duality of, of things. I mean, I understood that from Hegel because human beings can't describe, can't understand anything without an opposite. So if I was to tell you it's, hey, Andrew, right now in this room I'm in, it's uh, 436 uh, carpet, purple carpet uh, monkey degrees. And I was to ask you, well, how hot is like is that hot or cold? I, you, no, right. I, you have no idea. You need yeah. something to measure that against. You so need you to know. You give me a temperature of seventy, and I compare it to a warm day in San Francisco, and I think, okay, it's a little cooler than that. But you see, as soon as you've done that, that's that is now false because you have no idea that what you compared that to was accurate or not. Why not? You, Don't I know what a warm day here is? No, but if I said it was 436 purple monkey degrees. Oh, right, right. At that you point, have I no can't. Idea it's only what if you give me a number that per- I can do it. You have no idea what scale purple monkey degrees works on compared to degrees Fahrenheit. So what I'm, what I'm try- the point I'm trying to make is you need something to compare it to to understand one thing. That's the human brain. It needs two sides. One thing on its own makes no sense, right? Okay. Fair so, point. I'm actually just sending this to, to my Kindle to this this book by Hegel. <laughs> Why don't I uh, talk about my sponsor? Second company is called TopTal, and we're going to get into this because I've got more to ask you about. Like, why did you make phone calls to every single person who signed up uh, to one of your programs? Um, I also want to know about Ty Lopez. What what happened there? Um, I want to know about rebuilding your course. Why do you keep rebuilding it? Do you charge people for it? Um, but first, I got to tell people about TopTal. Um, actually, Sam, when you and I did, you did a course for me with Mixergy and the course is where I bring someone on who's especially good at something to teach it. And you taught how to find developers because hiring good developers is really tough if you're building software. Well, that's where TopTal comes in. The people at TopTal said, you know what? There are these excellent developers out there in the world. They just don't want to live in San Francisco. They don't want to live near, um, um, Mountain View. They want to live wherever they happen to live right now. And frankly, it's harder and harder for smart people to get to the U.S. So maybe they don't even want to bother trying. But they're great developers. So TopTal said, we're going to put together a network of these developers. We'll test the heck out of them. Actually, probably used the, they probably said, we'll test the hell out of them. We'll really test them because smart developers want to be tested. They want to be put through the paces because they're proud of how well they do. And they like solving puzzles to try to see if they could be one of the best of the best. And so TopTal said we're going to put together a series of tests to see who the best of the best developers are. And we'll only say to the top 3%, you can be in our network. And once they got the top 3% in their network, it started to build on itself where people in the development world knew, hey, if you pass that test, you're one of the best. And it became a badge of honor, a, a point of pride. And so once TopTal got that reputation, once they got that database of people who are fantastic developers, they said, look, if you are out there and you're trying to hire, come, if you're trying to hire developers, we got them right here. And people started hiring from TopTal part-time, full-time, whole development teams. And um, this is something that took me a while to understand. There are some dev shops that only focus on like one thing that they're good at, like iOS development. And when you say, 
can you also build an Android app? They say, yeah, we can. And the thing is, they don't have Android developers in-house. They call up TopTal and say, it's time to get some Android developers. You know how we work, and TopTal understands the way they work. Boom, they bring developers from TopTal that act as if they're working for the, the company, the consulting company that's hiring them out. And so now an iOS shop also has Android capabilities. They also have Windows capabilities, etc. That's the way people have been using TopTal for years because they're that good. They're actual whole companies that are like ghost companies where there's one or two people working in them. But when it's time to get on a, on a job, they will go to TopTal and they'll hire all the developers from there. And that's who they contract out for their clients. All right. TopTal is a great company. I got an email from someone as we we're talking from a guy named um, Jason saying, hey, Andrew, quick note. I visited the URL you've been talking about for TopTal. It goes to a 404 page. It doesn't. He has a typo, and I hope everyone else understands not to make this typo. If you want to get the special offer that they're giving Mixergy people, which is 80 hours of TopTal developer credit when you pay for your first 80 hours, in addition to a no-risk trial period of up to two weeks, if you want that, go to toptal.com slash Mixergy. The misspelling that this guy had was he typed in Mixer and then the letter G. No, it's Mixergy, M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. So it's top is on top of the mountain, tal is in talent, toptal.com slash Mixergy. Sam, who are you becoming? Who Who is it that you envision yourself being two years from now? Yeah, well, it's important that this also is is, is not static. It changes all the time, right? Because mm-hmm. I learn all that, that thing I was aiming for wasn't the best thing to aim for. I need to change that a little bit. Uh, so it's, it, it is forever changing. But right now, I... I like to see myself as like the Henry Ford of consulting because back in the day, motor vehicles were only for the elite. Like they were only for the top tier of society and normal people didn't have a motor vehicle. And Henry Ford looked at motor vehicles and thought, well, why can't they be for everybody? Why can't everyone own one of those and have the the benefits of one of those? And that's what he did. He took something out of reach of most people and made it in reach of everyone. And with consulting, I like the word consulting because it has this sort of when, – when people hear that word, they think it's like something reserved for only the elite people. Like you have to go to Harvard, you have to have an MBA, you have to wear a suit, and you go and work for a company like Boston Consulting Group. Like right. that's that's the – that's what people think consulting is. People think, I can't be a consultant. I'm, I don't have a degree. I don't, I'm not from Harvard. Or uh, the opposite. They think if you're a consultant, it just means unemployed and you'll take any shred of a job that you can get. Right? That's used to, it's typically what people think of coaching. <laughs> that's why I chose consulting specifically because these words all really mean the same thing. But they don't have the same effect on people. And that's why I like playing with words a lot, and that's specifically why I chose consulting, because it has that more formal appeal to it. consulting also, your people don't just do coaching. They actually do the work, don't they? If I hire somebody to do ad buys for me, one of your one of your students, they'll actually buy the ads, right? They don't it, coach me through it's, doing it. It's, it totally depends. Like They could be doing a full-service thing. They could be just doing advising. I mean... That's all up to them and at which stage of the journey they're at. I mean, the better you get at something, the more hands-off you can be from it. But when you're starting, you've got to do it all like because that's the only way you learn. Okay. Uh, but what I like to think of is most people see consulting as something which is out of reach. And I like to see myself as someone who is making it so that everyone can be a consultant. And it doesn't matter what you're consulting on. It can be anything. It can be on diet, relationships, uh, uh, your wardrobe, uh, anything. And now I'm, I want to really change the traditional path from people going to college and then going and getting a job. I want to change it to where people go to consulting.com and then become a consultant. Instead of getting a job. Yeah. What did you pay for consulting.com, the domain? It was in between a million and three hundred thousand, somewhere in there. So over three hundred thousand, no more than a million. Yeah. Why not say the exact number? Because I think it's. I think with you know a company like mine, I've got some plans for it in terms of uh, 
like I do want to float it eventually. And the speculative value of some things is it means it can mean a lot. It's not a wise idea to to mention every asset on the balance sheet. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, let's see here. Building beyond you is one of the questions that I had. You started out just you. And in fact, I felt like if you couldn't get to respond to people's comments in the message boards back when it was message board, then they weren't going to get a response from anyone at the company. Now you're going beyond you. Can you, can you talk through how you're thinking of hiring people? Sure. Well, it's been my biggest challenge for the last year in terms of hiring people. Like I've been, I'm one of those people who found it very hard to let go of anything. Uh, but I've been forced into a situation where I have no choice anymore. And that was when I finally started to try things. Uh, so what what was the question specifically? Like, I want to know how you're thinking about hiring people because I think that hiring is really challenging, finding the right people, figuring out how to get them into a team where it's just been Sam and, and you're the guy identified with the company so closely. It's, it's hard. What's your yeah. process? How are you thinking about that? Or is it too early for you? Well, the first, the place where I got my first employees, we've got about 25 now. So, I mean, it's... Uh, we do have them, and a lot of them are really good. the The best place to start is in your is in your customers because you have a lot of people in your customer list who who understand they're very early in their journey, and it would probably be a smart idea to go work for a company for a year, and because you're going to pick up a lot of skills, and they're happy to do that. And so, just going out to your customer list and saying, "Hey, look, this is who I'm looking for. Uh, if you, any of you are interested." then let me know. That's the best place to start because these people care so much about the vision that they've paid money for it. Like when you go out and you post on a job board, uh, like Indeed or something, people are coming to you and they're asking for money. Like if you if you go from your customer list, these people have paid money to be a customer. They've, they know your product. They've literally the bought into your mission. Yes, exactly. And so... That is the best place to get people from, hands down. And I've my first probably five, six people came from there. Okay. And then how are you thinking about the way you structure your company? Uh, this one change, has changed a lot as I may try different things, make mistakes. But I, like, I quite like Jeff Bezos' um, idea of, of small teams, like no more than like four people. Like I like as saying you shouldn't, you should be able to uh, feed your team with one pizza. Sorry, you were saying uh, the whole team should be about four people and everyone should be able to eat on one pizza. One, you just need one pie to feed the whole team. But when you're thinking about organizing your teams, what kind of teams do you have? What are they focused on? Yeah, well, at right now, I've got one team which does webinar chat moderation, and that's nine people on its own. Just so, moderating chats while you do webinars? Well, it's automated webinars. I see. And so, so you still And there's want only you. one. I only have one of them. So, but there's people on there 24 7, 365, who, if you ask a question on there, they will respond to that. And it's very important, and it's such a basic thing. I mean, if someone's asking a question, they're obviously pretty interested they should be able to have a, someone to respond to them. I so, I mean, I've got webinar moderators. I have website live chat moderators. I have uh, coaches. So my customer community is quite big now, and pe- we have Facebook groups. We put all of our customers in one Facebook group together, which is – I like it because it's it's pretty ballsy thing to do because if your product sucks – you're going you're gonna to get ruined. Yeah. And it just forces you into a situation where you have to make sure that your stuff works. There's no other possible way. Otherwise, you're just going to get destroyed. I see. So you've got a team of people who are helping with that too. Yeah, there's people moderating in there. Uh, I recently hired a community manager to, you know, just to make sure that the community runs smoothly. Um, I've now got an HR person because just hiring people has become like a full-time job. Um, it's moving quite quickly now. We've got quite a lot of people. We should have in between 50 and 60 by the end of the year. Okay. Um, 
used to make these phone calls. I was so fascinated by why you would do it. Like Sachin on our team is someone who went through your program. I remember him saying that he decided to sign up for something, but only after he got on a phone call with you. And I said, this guy's an Infusionsoft guy. You, Sam, you do marketing automation. Why are you getting on the phone with someone instead of just having a web page that explains it all? Why'd you do it back then? Because I didn't know what needed to be on their web page. Okay. And so if, if Sachit said, you know what, I want to do some consulting. This guy, Sam's talking about it. He'll get on a call with me. He'll take you up on that phone call and you'll understand his problems. And that's what you'll put on a website and say, I think I could solve that problem. Well, I need to understand what the person's current situation is and what their desired situation is. And I need to be able to play again, like play those two sides off against each other. And if I'm new in a niche or an industry, I don't know enough about the market to write good copy that can evoke those emotions out of somebody. And I had to do thousands of phone calls before I understood my market good enough that I could just write copy and strike those nerves. And after doing so many of these calls, you all the patterns start to just pop out of the screen and just they and they just appear to you. You're like, oh, everyone has kind of is this currently, and they all want to be this, and they believe these things are blocking them, but all of these are actually false. It turns out these things are actually blocking them, and you start to if you do enough of anything in one specific thing, the patterns emerge, and you know what's going on at a at a whole uh, another level like it's like if you're zoomed in real close and talking to one person it seems like they're really unique mm-hmm. but if you do enough of one thing in a specific area and then step back they all fall into into a particular pattern all right i get that and so that's how you did the at the time also the program was more expensive i think it was like 5800 bucks or something now the accelerator that we talked about is like under 2000 right yes uh, because it takes less of your time in the accelerator well i still have that other program which is called up level consulting up level consulting is designed for someone who's already got a consulting business and is already making money and they want to take it up to that next level Whereas Consulting Accelerator is for people who are really just getting started. Okay. Uh, Let's see what else. Uh, Another thing that I heard was once you got into Facebook advertising, that's when things took off. Like you are a maniac when it comes to advertising. True? Yeah, I've spent spent a lot of money on it. How much do you spend on Facebook advertising? Uh, Sometime, most of the time, 30 grand a day. 30 grand a day? Yeah. And what are you doing differently? What have you figured out about Facebook marketing that others hadn't? There's a big smile. Because <laughs> I, love, that's... I love this so much. You do, huh? Yeah, because it's, it's the complete opposite to what everyone thinks. Um, everyone, everyone tries to obsesses over the market. They're like the, the uh, parameters of the audience. They're like, who is Sam targeting? Is, it, is he targeting like, uh, Mixer G page or Frank mm-hmm. Kern page, or is he targeting? What's he targeting? And that's where everyone gets tripped up with Facebook. They go and define the specific thing, and then they throw ads in front of these people, and you'll be able to shake a few people out of that group. But now you've exhausted it. Now you're now what? Um, and the thing to understand about Facebook is that it it it. it it has a brain like now that it can optimize for conversions it it has like an invisible hand that is constantly shuffling things around trying to find people mm-hmm. and what i target because i've trained my uh conversion pixel so much so you know i started originally by targeting a specific things and when people purchased or they registered for a webinar, it would fire a conversion pixel and it would say, this person did this thing. And after you fire, say, a thousand fires on a pixel, it starts to build up a lot of intelligence of who this person looks like. It starts to recognize all of these things. Now, the uh, the more intelligence that pixel acquires, the larger the audience you can set for it and it can go in there and hunt for those people based on what it knows. So I've put 
over 700,000 fires on my conversion pixel. So it is so smart that I can target America. And I do. What do you mean I by, go into oh, I see. You audience don't have to buy Mixer. And I go United States. I see. You don't even and have my to customize it. goes in there and it's looking. And it's so smart and it's so well-trained that it just finds, finds people. You teach this also in the course, right? Facebook? Yeah, not... Not to this extreme because no one spends enough money to, to need to know it to that extreme, but I do teach it how to do it, yeah. Um, Ty Lopez, what's the deal with him? I'm going to interview him in a little bit, and the reason that I've held off on interviewing him for so long is I just didn't know what to make of the guy, but I think I've got an angle on him. What's, what are you working with, on with him? What did you do with him? What's, it, it's quite interesting because we're such opposites. Like Ty's a very... Uh, extroverted and you know it was very out there and i'm extremely introverted i mean i do like one facebook post every two months he's on facebook live like for four hours a day (laughs) and what actually happened is my friend sean uh works with ty and he knew my conversion numbers and he knew my numbers were insanely high in terms of uh roi and everything and he was looking at ty's numbers and they he was making a lot of money, but his conversion numbers weren't as good. And he thought, well, Ty's got so much volume and he's got so much fame. And Sam has so much finesse and so much uh, – his conversion numbers are so good, but he has nowhere near the fame. And he just thought, well, what if we just combine these two together? Okay. And it was really a very powerful partnership because Ty could just throw volume into my system like nothing else I've ever seen – and I could provide those really optimal conversion rates. And so together, the two things were really good. Ty's what do you like mean he sends op- you volume? Well, Ty's kind of like an Oprah, you know? Like he, he has a platform and he has fame and he has awareness and he has a massive list and a massive following. Mm-hmm. But he didn't really have something specific to sell people. And so Oprah has people on his show who are a specific expert in this one thing. And the specific expert on their own doesn't have enough fame. Oprah on her own, she's got the fame but not the the specificity. But you put the two together and it works really well. That's exactly what happened with Ty and myself. I see. So he's got his list and you sell your stuff to his list Mm -hmm. on an affiliate basis. Yes. So he gets a commission on every single person he sends through. So when we say last year, 18.25, what percentage of that went to partnerships like and including Ty? Ty alone, uh, I don't want to give specific numbers just because it's, it's private for him, but it's in between, uh, in between four and six million just from Ty's traffic. Wow. Yeah, yeah his, his list is unbelievable. His fame it's got to be in the millions. <laughs> I think that some people may not know who he is, but they'll recognize him as the guy who has all the cars behind him and the books, that right? here in my garage, Ed, that turned into a meme. Yes, like, it yeah. did. People, right, you're right. It turned into a meme. People created takeoffs on that. Mm. It was him in his garage with his uh, Lamborghini and his bookcase and an explanation of why those two need to go together. That one ad built him. And you learn that too. It's like one thing can be so powerful. Like that one ad built everything for him i said earlier that we talk about rebuilding the course but rebuilding the course basically means you create a course and you keep scrapping it and coming up with like version two and now you're coming up with version 3.0 other people it's more like honestly it's probably version 17 or 18 like i even when there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and people tell me this is the best course i've ever done or this is the best course in the world i still just for fun because I just am like, well, I'm going to make it even better. So I just try and do that at least two times a year. I want to completely throw it out. And Delete the videos, the whole thing. Yep, completely rebuild it from scratch. So if I go onto this page right now and I buy it, do I get it all at once? I see, oh, I see. Each week I get a new a new section, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking A, I'm buying it right now. I don't know what the hell I'm getting, but I want to see the, the, the mindset stuff. I don't even want to be a consultant. I'm going to say it right now. I'm not going to be one of your success stories because I have no interest in being a consultant. All I want to know is, what the fuck are you doing? I want to know, how are you getting people to to like to tell you their problems on the phone? 
I want to know what you're talking about with mindset. I'm really curious about that. I'm always into it. I'm buying the mindset now, stuff is really what gets people. What is it? What? I've, what is what? You said the what really gets people? The mindset piece. The mindset. I'm curious about that. I'm curious about um, the scripts. I've never bought anything while I was on a call. It's a good thing I have or maybe a bad thing that I have last pass. I should have actually asked you for a freaking discount. All right. I don't care about that. Here. Awesome. Well, hang on. What does it say? Awesome choice. Look forward to working with you. There's a letter from you. Looking forward to it. And the email is going to come from at Sam Ovens. Uh, you can expect a response within 12 hours, 24 hours max. No, that's, if, that's if you don't get your... If you don't get your logins, oh, then... Oh, got it. Okay. But you should be emailed your logins pretty much immediately. My receipt and my... Or my invoice receipt. I know invoice. People in Europe always ask for invoices, so you're probably sending that out too. Ah, there. I got it. Here's a copy of your receipt. The receipt's coming in. I got the address. This is your address right now, 753rd Avenue in Manhattan? It's not my personal address because I used to have my personal one there, and I actually had started to get visitors. So now we have a, a address for... Sh- for postage and my personal address is different all right okay cool uh you know what instead of give i should have asked you for a discount for me but i know you wanted to offer something to the audience you were going to offer some kind of url why don't you think about what's at that url and what it is and while you do that i'll say thank you to my two sponsors and then we'll close out with that so my two sponsors if you're listening to me now i've got another call i wish i could just like spend 20 minutes at least going through what i just bought um (laughs) but um I'll finish this off by saying my two sponsors are the company that will help you hire your next great developer. They've done it for so many people in my audience. It's called Top Tal. Top is on top of the mountain. Tal is in talent. TopTal.com slash Mixergy. And the second one is the company that will help you close more sales because they keep your you or your team organized. It's just too hard for me to explain here. And once you see it, you're going to get it instantly. It's like me telling you what's so special about the Mona Lisa using words instead of just saying, just look, look at it. It'll make sense. So here it is. Just go to pipedrive.com slash Mixergy and you'll totally get why I've been raving about this for years. All right, Sam, what are we closing out? What's your URL? Do we send people to consulting.com, to samovens.com? Do you have a special URL or something there? Sure. So just go to Sam. Well, it's probably easier to go to consulting.com forward slash Mixergy consulting.com forward slash Mixergy. There's nothing there now, right? It's 404. There'll be something there by the time it needs to what, be there. You want to say what's going to be there? Oh, uh, the best way is to attend the attend a free webinar because it's we regardless if you want to buy or not, I mean, you're going to go away with some valuable lessons just from, just from that webinar alone. All right, cool. Well, thanks for doing this, Sam. I'm look, when, when do I get in? Now that I bought this, when do I get to actually get you into should, this community? You should and- receive logins. Ah, here we go. Say, You're right. I did get it. Here it is. Yeah. Welcome to the accelerator, a consulting accelerator. Um, oh, there's my username and crazy password so no one can figure it out. Cool. And you know, one more thing. I'm writing a book on people who understand problems and then create businesses based on it. Is there one of your students who's like really good at understanding problems that their customers have and creating solutions and selling them? Uh, I'm extremely good at it. Um, and who else would be? Think about it. I want to follow up with you. I've got like Airbnb in there. Cause I'm happy to help you out with it. I love, I love solving problems. Okay. That's what I love doing. All right. I want to understand like clear examples of how you talk to customers, understood their problems and then created solutions for them. All right, cool. Sam, thank you so much for being on here. It's consulting.com slash Mixergy. Thank you all for being a part of Mixergy. Bye everyone. Bye.